0: How are you doing, my
1: lovely? I am fucking fantastic, per usual. Trying to put my shit together this week, which is very unlike me, so... I'm completely the opposite. Are you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no! Yes. I'm completely the opposite. There's not enough time, man.
1: <laughs> I feel you. I do. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm, I don't have it completely under control. It's still a juggling act, but I definitely had my shit together more this week than I did last week. That's for sure. So I'm hoping this is a positive trend. Fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers crossed. First of all, how are you? You always ask me how I am first. And I always feel bad because I never <laughs> ask you how you are first. And I feel like an asshole.
0: You're not an asshole. I'm doing well. So I don't know if I talked about this on, on the show. Amy knows about this at length, but when we decided to start recording separately. I live in the loudest place in the world. It's not just Manhattan. It's like in the middle of Manhattan.
1: You're in like a transit hub, basically, like basically buses, trains, everything. Yeah. Homeless people, everything. Police. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Police, fire department, fucking everything. Pick a thing. Yeah. And I overlook my apartment overlooks the avenue where all of this chaos is happening all of the time. And you don't really realize how loud it is until you need to record literally anything. And then you're like, oh my God, it's so fucking loud.
1: Everything's happening at once. Yes.
0: Literally. So for a while I was recording in my closet, but because it's New York, there aren't these like lovely walk-in closets like you see in Only Murders in the Building. It's not a fucking thing. (laughs) You're in a shoebox, yes. You can barely fit your clothes in your fucking closet. And the thing is... uh, clothing absorbs sound. So that's why if you don't have like a recording studio, that's why it's the ideal situation to record in. But again, it wasn't big enough for like me and my equipment. So it was like half in, half out and all of my shit was everywhere in my apartment. And after like a couple months of that, I couldn't handle it. And I decided to order like a portable private recording studio for my apartment, which was supposed to arrive the first week of November.
1: (laughs) How's that going?
0: So it just came in a couple days ago. Oh, fuck yeah. So I'm actually recording from it. (gasps) Fancy. Yeah. So we'll see. That's awesome. If the sound is fucked, then uh, it was money completely wasted. (laughs) So we'll find out. We'll find out after the recording.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We will. The main thing I have to talk to you about, I didn't text you. Because it could not be put into words, Monique. I watched the first two episodes of Pam and Tommy. Girl, I went through every GIF and all of the emojis trying to like figure out a response to this. Monique, no one can see my face, but what the actual fuck did I witness? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Didn't expect that. No. In literally any possibility, any realm, I never expected that was the scene that was going to be in the show.
0: Yep. I got a text message from a friend of mine about it because she heard the episode and then she watched it and she was like, did we need that? And I was like, did we? No. Am I going to talk about it for the rest of my life? Absolutely. Yes. Like attention must be paid. This scene is in fucking sane, like insane.
1: It's insane. It's hysterical. My only thought was, I'm sorry, was this based on actual events? Like I need to know, did this... Happen.
0: I don't know how drugged up he was. It could have. It's a possibility. I don't do drugs, so I don't know.
1: Also, no spoilers, but I just have to say Jason Matsukas is one of my fucking favorite actors ever. So I was so excited to hear that he was in the show. I'm not going to say anything else, but oh my God, that fucking made my day. Like the scene was already amazing. And the fact that. Who is that? I don't know that you'd really know him because most of the stuff I know him from is like it's like Marvel shit. No, it's usually like kind of more like rebald humor kind of guy shows. I first knew him from he's Rafi in the League, which is like a show about a fantasy football league. So, but I feel like he's in a lot. He's in a ton of shit with Seth Rogen, obviously, who's also in that show, and he always just plays like who. Who does he play in it? He's the voice, and he's like so. He's always such. A ridiculous character. And it's, I read an interview with him one time where he was like, I'm a totally normal guy. And like I always get cast as like these insane like Charlie Day wildcard characters, basically. Because he has a vibe, clearly. He, he has to have a vibe. He has a vibe. He has a very distinct look about him. But he's always like, I'm just like a very normal guy. I'm not a crazy person in any way, shape, or form. But he's one of my favorite actors. And I was so fucking excited to hear that he was in Pam and Tommy. So that the scene, Monique, like literally I can't freak out about it enough. Your reaction last episode was perfection. I literally could not formulate a text message because I was like, there are no words, no words. Like all I could think to text you was literally just like Monique in all capital letters. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's wild. It's like wild. I'm obsessed with the show though. Uh, you're right. Sebastian Stan is like naked for like basically the whole second episode.
0: Yeah, girl.
1: That being said, he's a total asshole. And I just like, oh,
0: like they're doing such a great job. Both of them, Lily James and and Sebastian Stan.
1: They're fucking nailing it. They're doing a really, really excellent job. And they both like are fucking spot on casting. They both look just, just like Pam and Tommy. Well, Lily James, that's like, everything is prosthetic. She does
0: not look anything like that. Like it's like fake teeth, fake boobs, fake forehead. Like every, because they're like, she looks exactly like her. Like exactly like her. Yeah.
1: Pamela Anderson has such a distinctive look. Like it's hard to find somebody who looks like her. Totally. Absolutely. But they fucking nailed it, dude. Yeah, for sure. And my only
0: point of reference of Sebastian Stan is obviously Winter Soldier, that he's Bucky. And I'm like, this plot, you know, everyone knows the fucking, the fucking storyline. But like, I decided to IMDb him. I've seen him in so much shit. and had no fucking clue. Like he plays Tanya Harding's husband in-
1: Yeah, I was like, he's in I, Tanya, which I know you've seen. We talked about it last episode. Yeah. I had no fucking clue that that was him. I just thought it was like some rando dude who like nailed it. Such an amazing actor. He's so versatile. You literally like- Can't tell it's him from one role to the next. I know. I literally have to keep reminding myself it's Sebastian Stan because he looks so much like Tommy that I fucking can't. Yeah. And what's wild, it's not even that he just looks like him,
0: like his vibe, like you're like, that's him.
1: A hundred percent. Okay. The scene where he licks her face in the club. Yes. Get the fuck out of here. I was like, that would no, never fly. I'd be like, that's disgusting. Get the fuck away from me. I can't believe you even did that. And she just rolled with it. She was totally fine. She was like, I'm just going to lick my friend's face. It's funny.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. Like I get told a lot by men that I'm intimidating, which I hate that word. And if I never hear it for the rest of my life, that'd be fucking swell. So it is very rare that I come across a man who's like, quote unquote, not scared of me. So like, there's part of that that I find attractive. Like the, like the walking up to like the hottest chick in the room and being like, I don't give a fuck. You don't scare me. Like that's really hot. But like the rest of it, I'm like, Oh, no. No. Also, episode two,
1: all of the sex scenes. Goals. for fucking real, Monique. Every single fucking one. Yes. Haley's needlepoint was particularly... Yes. (laughs) ...fitting for this week, let's just say. Girl, yes. Beyond that, I had a... (laughs) Interesting Amazon experience this week because apparently I didn't realize, but the universe is now delivering shit through Amazon. What do you mean? So, funny story. I ordered six bottles of rubbing alcohol. And when I went downstairs to get the package, there weren't six bottles of rubbing alcohol in the package. There was one bottle of L'Oreal's Wonder Water, which is like an anti frizz hair product. So I was like, oh, I think the universe is trying to tell me my hair looks like shit <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't. bitch, you need some help. So I reported to Amazon and they were like, we refunded your account and you can keep it. You don't have to send it back since it was our mistake. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to try it. Like what's the worst that could happen. It's fucking awesome, dude. My hair has never been softer and never been this like smooth and not frizzy. And I've tried fucking everything like argan oil, coconut oil, the frizzies serum, yes. all of that fucking shit. I put this in my hair. It's a rinse out treatment. I didn't use conditioner. I just used that and let my hair air dry. And it looked basically like I had flat ironed it and it was perfect. Holy shit. I kind of can't get over it. It was. I looked it up online because I wasn't sure how much it cost. It's like under $10. I think it's like a $9 bottle. I'm sure it's not natural and healthy for your hair. The first ingredients, propylene glycol, but fuck it. It's amazing. If you want your hair to not be frizzy, invest in some Wonder Water by L'Oreal. Girl, that is like the struggle of my fucking life. (gasps) Girl, I know. Florida girls, we fucking know. I literally had to move because I was like, I look like crap down here. I'm always sweaty. Like literally all of the time. I'm always sweaty and oily and frizzy. And then I moved up north and I was like, oh, I'm actually like. Kind of cute. Kind of cute. Yeah. So. Just order six bottles of rubbing alcohol on Amazon and you're good to go. Boom. Love it. So yeah, that's my product recommendation of the week because. Love that. Yeah. The universe provided. Absolutely. I'm into it.
0: I staying on the
1: biopic vein. You got another recommendation for me?
0: I watched the eyes of Tammy Faye with Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. Oh, I do enjoy Andrew Garfield. I have
1: not heard of that at all, though. What is that? Again, this was
0: one of those that like I saw the subway ads (laughs) because of (laughs)
1: course, you're always on those subway ads,
0: but I'm going to your apartment because basically I don't use the subway (laughs) otherwise. I, Yeah. And because it's award season, I'm getting all the screeners for the Screen Actors Guild to vote for the SAG Awards. Nice. And I kind of like flipped through them. I got like this huge chunk uh, in the last couple of days. And I was just like, I have zero time. So like, let me see like one. And I saw like a code for the Ice Tammy Faye. And I was like, oh, fuck. I really wanted to see this. Jessica Chastain is Tammy Faye Baker. Really? It's fucking wild. And you know, like Jessica Chastain, like you know, like she's like really pretty. She's elegant, and like, oh, she's yeah, she's gorgeous. She's like it's unrecognizable. She does an amazing job. And I think the only thing that they really submitted it for was for her because I think everything else, like the categories, were just like too strong. But she's fucking phenomenal. And Andrew Garfield's always solid. It's uh, My- Michael Showalter did it. It's it's an enjoyable movie. It's he directed it.
1: Fuck, I didn't know that. So it's a comedy then, or
0: yeah. Is it Monique? Yeah, I I throw it in a comedy. Okay, he's usually comedy
1: because he's from Wet Hot American Summer. So yeah, in the state and all that.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's really great. She's better than the movie, but I'm very I enjoyed the movie. And like, she's just like fucking powerhouse, like dynamo, like holy shit. That there's even like one thing at the very end where they do a split screen of like the exact same scene, like the real life scene. And then Jessica Chastain doing it. And it's like fucking identical. It's wild.
1: Well, that's exciting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I am loving your biopic recommendation. (laughs) I'm sure this one doesn't have as much full frontal nudity to, to titillate me, but sadly it has none has zero full frontal. I mean, how are you going to get to the level of Pam and Tommy? It's out of control.
0: I don't even, like, this is like, I see you, HBO, and I fucking raise you. Yes. That's what Pam and Tommy is. Yeah. Straight up. They're like, Game of Thrones, go fuck yourself. Right? I, I, was, I was like, this is
1: this is on Hulu? Like, can on Hulu, Hulu yeah. do this? And then I was like, of course they can. They can
0: do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, exactly. When when the episode dropped, I, because I, like, talked to every. I was like, everyone needs to watch this because I need to talk to everyone about this right now. And I was talking to one of my regulars and he's like, oh, I haven't seen it, but I'm on this like group chat and it's blowing up about that with people being like, how is this on TV? <laughs> it's like, it's not like on fucking NBC, it's Hulu, but. Yeah, but
1: it's frisky it's for sure. That's putting it extraordinarily mildly. Yeah, Panam and Tommy is on another fucking level, dude. It's next fucking you, level. You were not joking about the amount of full frontal. I was like, how much could it really be? It's no, like, no, yeah.
0: the, the, you're not prepared in any way. Like I feel there's less full frontal
1: porn than in Panam and Tommy. Maybe. Yeah. You get up up close and personal. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> so yeah, highly recommended. Monique was not fucking lying. It's <laughs> great. And you're not going to get over this fucking scene. So no,
0: never, never for the rest of your life ever. No. And when you watch it, please DM us everything. We need to talk about this.
1: Yes. We need someone, someone else to freak out about this with us besides just us.
0: Yeah. Although I'm at peace with that too. I know that I can text you like at any time, day or night, and be like, dude, the fucking scene. What the fuck?
1: <laughs> yes. Literally. Whenever, wherever, do it. I will be like, girl, I know. Now you know, because you cannot know. I know. I can't wait till it's been a few years and then we can just talk about it openly because we're not like spoiling anything or be like, if you haven't seen it by now, like, fuck it. Whatever. Exactly. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But uh, on that shit, on that vein, are You got some some stuff? Some creepy, ghosty, alien-y, weird what the fuck stuff?
1: I wrestled up some weird what the fuck paranormal shit for you this week. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. And we have you to thank for our story this week. Because it comes to you thanks to your amazingly thoughtful and practical Christmas gift, my paranormal page a day calendar. Yay! Right? I'm so glad it helped. You knew that was going to come in handy, girl. Of course. So, sources. The Paranormal Page Day Calendar that Monique got me for Christmas. The podcast Haunted Canada, hosted by Nadine Bailey, episode four. hose.ca Calgarycitizen.com. Calgaryherald.com. sprucepets.com And the book Spirits of the West, Eerie Encounters from the Prairies to the Pacific by Robert Bellick. And... While well, that was the last source I found, and the one I mentioned last, it was by far the best resource. So, as you probably guessed, today we're going to take a little trip to Canada, and I'm going to tell you about the Hose and the Hound Pub, or, as it used to be known, Fire Hall Number 3. Oh, shit. The third of Calgary's 12 fire halls was built in 1906 in the Inglewood District of Calgary for the whopping sum of $3,000, which adjusting for inflation, is just under $100,000 today. Mm. The firehouse is a large two-story brick building with two open bays in the front to accommodate the engines and a cute little bay window on the second floor in the center of the building. Interesting fact, it wasn't until Calgary's disastrous fire in 1886 that they started building fire halls using brick and sandstone. Mm. However, fire hall number three was also designed with stalls for the specially bred fire horses, which... Sounds badass as fuck, for the record. Shit. Like, I know they're not on fire or shooting fire out of their nose or anything crazy, but I want a fire horse. Well, yeah, it's one
0: of those things that, like, I guess they'd have to be trained differently, no?
1: Yeah, because they have to just not be startled easily. And, yeah, they just have to be, like, a really good temperament and not panic.
0: Yeah, be like, fuck you, fire.
1: Yeah, right? I'm not afraid of you. Which, considering, like, animals are naturally afraid of fire for- Obvious, innate reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to train them to not be afraid of fire. Yeah, for sure. So while the firehouse itself wasn't flammable, the hay and the oats for the horses, as well as the wooden stalls and the wood frame interior were all highly combustible. Mm. So you can probably guess where this is going and you would be correct. Because a few years after the firehouse was built, a fire broke out in the horse stalls. The only casualty was a horse named Lightning who couldn't be led to safety in time. Aww. Calgary's first fire chief, James Cappy Smart, was particularly affected by the loss as he had personally picked Lightning to work as a fire horse. Oh. I know. Frowny face. I don't like that. Frowny face. It's sad. Cappy was described as a larger-than-life character. He was appointed Calgary's first fire chief in 1898 and held the position until he retired in 1933. He was credited with modernizing the fire department, pushing for modern equipment to replace the old school bucket brigade, which sometimes I forget. That's how they used to fight fires. And it's like the craziest thing to imagine. Yeah, man. That, like you just had to get like the whole town together in a line and then just like pass buckets back and forth. Like what the fuck? Wish for the, you know, hope for the best. <laughs> you're throwing like what? A gallon of water at a time on this fire. That's like engulfed an entire house. If you're lucky and not like the entire fucking block. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. He was also responsible for implementing fire prevention education in the community. And while Cappy was described as a no nonsense, plain speaking man, he definitely had an eccentric side. Specifically, he liked to collect exotic animals. I don't know to what extent this really went, but apparently, Cappy was also the active marshal of the Calgary Stampede for 35 years. And one year, he led the parade on an elephant. I don't know if that was his elephant specifically, but he did have a collection of exotic animals, which he would also apparently distribute to Calgary's fire stations as kind of like like it's like a mascot, a mascot of sorts. yeah, of just like our come see our fire station and check out our, our fire peacock. exotic. yeah okay i fuck with a fire peacock (laughs) that's pretty dope
0: i'll fuck with a peacock all day long i know that like when they mate and they call they make like death curdling
1: noises oh girl they also weirdly fly which you don't kind of expect they like can get up really high in trees and then you'll like hear them do that scary screeching awful noise and like from a fucking tree that's like 100 feet up and you're like what the fuck is going on right now
0: where my godmother lives there's a fuck ton of peacocks everywhere. and be like, oh man, it's a pretty, they're like, no man, fuck the peacocks. They're like, they fuck all your shit up. They had, uh, they have an, a, a pool outdoors and they have like, it's screened in and like the fucking peacocks fuck up the screens. And they're always like at six in the morning fucking. And it sounds like it's the shit of
1: nightmares. <laughs> trying to get their nut off monique God. I, hey man, I'm not Hater's going to hate. Hater's going to hate. Yeah. You get that. See, I was going to say
0: if everyone's consenting, but they're not. No one's consenting because it's the animal kingdom and it's very rapey. It's very alarming. I saw like a a duck gangbang a couple of years ago. Oh, girl. Literally. Are you okay? Do you need to talk about it? No, I mean, I too, (laughs) like legitimately, I shit you not. I was having like a terrible time. I was at Christina's Place And she like has this like body of water, like this lake or some shit behind her house. I'm like, I'm going to be in nature and just like cry and just like be okay. And then, and look at the ducks and literally two fucking ducks held down another duck while another duck fucked the duck. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, well, I just witnessed a gang rape. This did not help my mood at all. (laughs) Thank God. I'm, you know, I, I consent is kind of a thing as a human being. There's still a gray area with it for some reason that people don't fucking understand. But at least I'm not getting gang raped by ducks, right? Is that where the bar is? I think, maybe. Yeah,
1: sure. You know? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not ideal. No one wants that. Suboptimal. Definitely. So Cappy would give these animals, the firehouses, as little mascots. Fire hall number three was gifted with a monkey named Barney. Pretty cool, I will say. Seems fun. Yeah, but monkeys, you don't seem into it. No, no,
0: man. Everything in the monkey family is like just a fucking red flag for me.
1: Hardcore. Girl, that's because you are a smart, educated individual. Because my (laughs) next paragraph starts with the sentence Now, here's the thing monkeys don't actually make great pets.
0: No, they don't. They fucking don't at all. Anything in that family human beings included, don't fucking tell that to the Bible Belt, are like just a fucking red flag. Absolutely fucking not.
1: Nope, nope. Because I probably don't have to tell you this, but monkeys aren't domesticated. They're wild animals. While some monkeys, yes, can have a gentle temperament, some can be very aggressive. Aggressive as fuck. Yep. And even the gentlest monkeys can still be unpredictable. Because they're fucking wild animal. Exactly. There's always the chance they might suddenly become aggressive or violent, even towards the person they're closest to. And that's assuming a best case scenario where the monkey's raised in a loving, caring environment. Which, from what I can tell, was not exactly the case with Barney. Because apparently, both the firefighters and the children who would come to visit would tease him.
0: No! Why are you doing this? Like, what the fuck, guys? And what the fuck did the monkey do to you?
1: For real! Which, considering they used to tie him to the flagpole in front of the fire hall on warm days for the amusement of the children, seems extra fucked up. Fuck the children! Leave the monkey alone! Exactly, and like they're just teasing him while he's tied to a post outside and like, can't get away. That's not fucking cool.
0: No, that monkey's fucking going back to that firehouse. And he has that little note, like underneath his fucking monkey pillow. He's just like, it's like, dude, fucking Timmy is fucking going to get it. He doesn't know when he doesn't know where, but I'm going to fucking rip his goddamn face off with my monkey claws. Girl. Am I predicting this story? Are you a psychic? <laughs> What's happening? Stop. I hope that's not what fucking happened. I mean, but they're monkeys, so it might be. Like, the odds are pretty fucking high. It
1: happens. They're Fuck! Happens. Girl, I'm. don't Google pet monkey attacks. I warn you now. I did earlier. Not a fun trip. Not a fun trip on the internet. Don't do it. So when the firefighters had to go to fight a fire, they would either leave Barney in the firehouse or again, they'd tie him up out front. Dude, what the fuck? Yep. Well, one day while the crew was out fighting a fire, Barney was left behind, tied to the flagpole out front. A family who was out for a walk came across Barney outside the fire hall. Their young son tried to offer Barney a treat, got a little too close, and Barney attacked, causing serious injuries. Oh my God. Yes. And all my other sources were vague about the incident and basically just said that, that he attacked and injured the boy. But according to the blurb on the calendar page, Barney bit the little boy on the face, which- That is the fear of my fucking life. Yeah. And it's kind of what I assumed happened because that's the most serious place you can be injured by a monkey, really.
0: This is why I'm fucking terrified of dogs. Like, and whatever, I understand they're domesticated, but but like- I mean, shit happens. It's shit because it's a fucking animal. Yes. And I'm like, anytime I see it, like, oh my God, love my dog. I'm like, this dog's going to bite me in the face. and It's going to fucking murder me. Like, that's what the fuck is going to happen.
1: Girl, I mean, I didn't mention it on the podcast when it happened because it sounded so dramatic. But did I get bit by a dog at Christmas? Yes. Like, it fucking happens. Like-
0: Yes. it ha- Like, my godparent's daughter, so like my god sister, if that's a thing- A fucking cocker spaniel bit her in the fucking face. And she had to go and get plastic surgery and shit to like not be fucked up on her face. And that's a cocker spaniel. So like a German shepherd shit, get the fuck out of here. I cannot,
1: I cannot. Yeah, this was a pit mix. And I have also been bit by a chow when I worked at the doggy daycare place that I worked at. So yeah,
0: no. It's a hard pass for me.
1: I feel that, I feel that. So yeah, that's what the fuck happens when you keep a wild animal as a pet and then proceed to tease it, which honestly- I think we all can just admit is a nice way to say abused. Yes. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. They abused this monkey. And why would you think like that the monkey would just be cool with it? And wouldn't fucking lash out? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to continue to be just kind and docile and I'm not going to attack anyone, even though you're clearly. People have fucking breaking points. when they're clearly instigating something with him. Like it's fucked up. Just don't do that to animals. Just yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Not cool. Also, I couldn't find out what type of monkey Barney was specifically, so he may have been one of those little capuchin monkeys, which are generally three to nine pounds, Mm. but I'm assuming from the level of the attack that he was probably a slightly larger breed, such as maybe the macaque, which can weigh anywhere from 12 to 17 pounds. So it's not as big as a chimpanzee, which not a monkey, technically an ape, so it wouldn't be you know, on the level of that strength, but it's still a monkey. They're still fucking strong as shit. Even if it's only 17 pounds.
0: I went to grade school with someone who had a chimp as a pet in their Ooh! house.
1: No. And that is how you guarantee that I never go to your fucking house yeah. ever, dude.
0: And like had them in like a huge fucking
1: cage. And I was like, this is no, not acceptable. I read so many horrible attack stories this week. I like really wish I hadn't done that to myself. They're, they're brutal. The shit they'll fucking do is brutal. I kind of gave myself chills just thinking about it right then. It's like,
0: it, yeah. Wasn't one of the first face transplants that uh, from the- Yes.
1: The Travis attack, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That fucking audio, the audio and the pictures. If you never want to sleep for the rest of your life, check that shit out. I don't think I've ever heard the audio,
1: but I, ne- I would never do that to myself. The 911 call? is I know horrifying. I can't imagine. No. Don't do that to yourself. No, people. don't just don't. Don't look it up. I mean, I'm yeah. fucked up, so I did, but don't do that to yourself. <laughs> don't do that to yourself, please. Just have a nice week. Don't look that up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Watch Pam and Tom instead.
1: <laughs> Girl, yes, yes. Unfortunately, after the attack on the young boy, Barney was seen as a danger to the community and was ordered to be put down. Mm -hmm. Cappy took responsibility and was the one to personally do the deed, which I don't even want to know how they did that because it's the fucking early 1900s. They don't euthanize pets during this time. So like what? They broke his neck. They shot him like probably shot him. Probably. This monkey's not having a good time. Like, no. They did wrong by this monkey.
0: Absolutely. This monkey's like, why can't I just live my fucking monkey life? Right? Fuck you
1: people. Barney, you didn't deserve that. No. So the fireman put Barney down and buried his remains in front of fire hall number three. But it seems like Barney felt he had some unfinished business at the firehouse and decided to hang around. But the first reports of Barney's ghost came along after the fire hall was decommissioned in the early 1950s. From 1952 to 1982, the building went through several changes and was used as a community center, a furniture store, and even a derelict flop house where people would go to sleep and party. In 1982, it became a fine dining restaurant, which didn't do great in the area, and eventually in 1992, they finally turned it into a pub called The Hose and Hydrant.
0: Dude, fucking like... Properties are wild that it could like have like those lifespans of like fine dining and a flop house and a firehouse, like restaurant or yeah. And a furniture
1: store, like crazy. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. So they turned it into a pub called the hose and hydrant. And if you were paying attention early and are now thinking, wait, I thought this place was called the hose and the hound. Well, once again, you're correct because apparently in 1997, a retired firefighters social club also named The Hose and the Hydrant, had a copyright on the name. So they asked them that, that please change it. And the name of the pub was changed officially to The Hose and Hound Neighborhood Pub. In 1996, Chuck Rose and his partner bought the pub from the previous owners. And in 1997, Chuck had his first encounter with Barney. One evening, Chuck and the chef, Doug Brown, were talking in the kitchen, standing about four feet away from one another. To Chuck's right, about six feet off the floor, was a shelf with a bucket of baking soda on it. Chuck said, quote, suddenly this four liter pail flies between us, travels six feet over to the counter, and covers Doug with baking soda, end quote. Oh shit. And baking soda is like one of those things that's annoying as fuck because it's so fine. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Also, it just got thrown in your face. Like, (laughs) get out of here.
0: And that's one of those things that kind of turns like pasty when you wet it to get it off.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Like
0: that's the most annoying shit to fucking get rid of.
1: Yep. No fun. Mm -mm. Thinking maybe there was a small chance that vibrations from passing train had caused the bucket to fly at them. The two men tried to duplicate it, but Chuck said, quote, every time we shook it off, it just dropped. I have no idea what caused it. End quote. Damn. Two years later, Chuck, his wife, Elaine and Dave, another chef were standing in the kitchen talking. The heavy-duty commercial dishwasher was off with its loading tray out and the door open. The machine was designed to operate once the loading tray was slid inside and could be turned on only when the door was tightly closed. But without warning, the dishwasher suddenly turned on, spraying hot water on all three of them. Oh, shit. By the time they succeeded in closing the door, they were all soaked. The next day, when the service technician arrived and they told him what had happened, he repeatedly told them, that that was impossible. Explaining that because of the safeguards built into the washer, such an accident couldn't happen. Mm. But Chuck said, quote, we know it happened, end quote. Mike, who is now the kitchen manager and chef, witnessed the heavy oven door open and close three times before finally remaining open. Get the fuck out. Out! Yes, and he said each time it closed with considerable force, as if it was slammed closed. On another occasion, one of the kitchen workers approached Chuck and said, quote, That monkey has been really busy this morning. I've had to retie my shoelaces 12 times. End quote. Holy
0: shit! It's time to switch to cowboy boots or Velcro, baby. Girl,
1: that's actually real smart. Find a solution to your problems. There
0: you go. Don't dwell on them.
1: Monique, words of advice, words to live by. I love that. That was beautiful. I'm, Thank I'm you. I try. am tucking that in my pocket to take with me this week.
0: I get one a month. <laughs>
1: Stop it. <laughs> You're a constant source of words of wisdom for me. Thank you. I try. And while the shoe untying seems mildly annoying, it apparently gets even worse because staff members have repeatedly reported tripping. And when they look down, their shoelaces have been tied together. Get the fuck out. What the fuck, dude? That's a fucking nightmare when you work in a fucking restaurant. I can't even, I'd be like done the first day. Like, no, mm -mm, mm -mm. first of all, that's weird as fuck. And second of all, I have tables. I I'm going back and forth. I don't have time to be like tripping and untying my shoelaces and retying them. No, for sure. Nadine Bailey, the host of haunted Canada interviewed a busboy who had worked at the restaurant. During his shifts, he said he was always constantly moving, but on several occasions, noticed that he would keep getting tripped up. And every time he looked down, no. he saw that his shoelaces had been tied together. On one of his shifts, he kept count of how many times it happened and said that it had happened 10 different times over the course of the night. Get the fuck
0: I'm someone who is so clumsy I don't need any extra help to like fucking eat it and that's the thing like you don't accidentally tie your shoelaces together like it's no there's like no other explanation for that you're like I'm being fucked with yes and like and you would notice if a person was like tie your fucking shoelaces together
1: yeah like kneeling in front of you suspiciously you'd be like what are you doing down there yeah like oh nothing it's like oh and then my shoes are tied together okay cool yeah thanks that is so fucked. So fucked. Like, really weird. Yeah. mm Over the years, the pub staff has also reported that dishes will go flying across the kitchen, cans have been thrown off shelves, and the hose at the kitchen sink has been known to mysteriously spray the staff working in the kitchen. Damn. Yep. And while it's unclear whether Barney's ghost is responsible for the next bit of unexplainable information, according to the owner, Chuck, the pot-bellied stove on the second floor moves around. Get the fuck out, girl. He said, quote, you never see it, but it moves. Sometimes when you leave at night, it's in one place. And when you come back the next day, it's someplace else. End quote.
0: So million dollar question, you may answer this. Has anyone ever set up cameras? Like overnight? That's a very good question. I don't believe so. Because if that much wonky shit's happening, I'm like- I want cameras on it. And if it's one of those things that it won't happen with the cameras, I'm like, run those motherfuckers 24 hours a day. Unless it does that thing of like,
1: then the cameras are going to turn off. Mm, So tricky. So tricky. Sneaky shit. Yes. So no, I don't believe they've ever recorded anything in there, particularly. Mm. Because the stove is strictly a decorative piece. It's not fixed in place and can be slid along the floor. Mm. However, that being said... Hot-bellied stoves are made of fucking cast iron and weigh several hundred pounds. A modern one I looked up online said it weighed 216 pounds. So damn, I can't even imagine how much they used to weigh before modern advances in manufacturing. Oh, yeah. So it's safe to say it requires a tremendous amount of force to move that stove, which is why it's also unclear whether this is another one of Barney's pranks or maybe the work of another spirit. Mm. I also read one source that said people have reported feeling a tail brush up against them while they're in the pub, but that is such a specific
0: feeling, right? It's so specific that you know exactly what that is. Yes.
1: Yes. You can't confuse that with anything else. No, like at all. No. And full disclosure it was the only source I could find that said this, and it was just that line. There weren't any personal stories or anything that I could find to back up that ma- information. But I do think it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, while Barney is definitely the most active ghost still residing in the Hosenhound, he's actually not the only animal spirit rumored to be hanging around the old firehouse. Remember Lightning, the horse that died in the fire at the beginning of the story? Shit! Well, supposedly early in the morning kitchen personnel have reported hearing the rapid clopping sounds of horses hooves in the front area of the pub and according to them the sound of the hooves doesn't move from one area of the pub to another it only comes from one corner of the room those that have heard the phantom hooves believe the sound is caused by a residual haunting brought about by lightning's tragic death and unfortunately, it seems as though the horse's spirit is forever trapped in the exact spot he burned to death in. I hate that. I know. It's real sad. Monique has sad, pouty face. He should be in horse heaven. Horsey heaven. Horsey heaven. Yeah. I want to go to horsey heaven. Galloping with his friends. Yeah. And eating all the sugar cubes he wants. Yes. Yes. That being said, there is also supposedly a human presence in the pub in addition to Barney and Lightning. Doug and Gary once heard footsteps walking from the second floor stairs across the main floor. They both turned to look, but as soon as they did, the footsteps stopped and no one was there. On another night after closing, a server named Tanya and several other staff members were sitting at the bar talking when they heard the sound of the balls dropping on the pool table upstairs. (gasps) And... This is a pub, so it's one of those coin-operated pool tables where the balls don't fall unless you put a coin in the machine and push the little thing in. So they obviously thought a customer was still in the bar after they had locked up, and they went upstairs to tell them to leave. But when they got up there, no one was there. And weirder still, there were no balls on either of the two pool tables. None of them could explain it because what they'd heard had been a very distinct sound they all immediately recognized, and that they weren't likely to confuse with any other sound. Just on the floor. Yeah. Like, it's a thing you hear all the fucking time. You know the sound of the pool table dropping all the pool balls. Like, right? what the fuck? This presence also may be the one responsible for moving the pot-bellied stove if Barney isn't the culprit, because they didn't really think this was one of Barney's pranks. They assumed it was a human presence in the building. Right. While some have said that the human presence in the pub is actually the spirit of Cappy, and the Hose and Hounds website even states, quote, self-proclaimed psychic claimed to see Cappy himself in the pool room area, end quote, the odds are unlikely according to the book Spirits of the West. As the fire chief, Cappy had to make his rounds through all 12 fire halls in Calgary. And since number three was one of the smaller fire halls, he most likely wouldn't have spent much time there. But I guess it's possible that his spirit decided to return to the fire hall to spend eternity with Barney. Mm. Now, it says that the Calgary Paranormal Society spent the night at the pub a few years ago and took some quote-unquote fascinating photos. They supposedly found orbs in several places and a very strange reflection in one photograph that looked like the silhouette of a monkey. That being said... I can't find any other source that mentions this. And when you Google Calgary Paranormal Society, nothing really comes up. Like Uh just kind of the Hose's website. There's a Facebook group for the Calgary Association of Paranormal Investigators, but I can't find anything that mentions a group specifically called the Calgary Paranormal Society. Mm. And I definitely couldn't find these supposed pictures that exist. So do with that information what you will. Mm. The Hose and Hound was featured on the television show Creepy Canada, which I looked for but couldn't find anywhere. So mm. I guess it's possible that since I wasn't able to watch that, that the bit about the Calgary Paranormal Society was featured during the show's Hose and Hound segment. But again, I couldn't find any other source to corroborate the story. Right. More recently, however, the Calgary Citizen reported that sisters Faye Steinberg and Laura Olchewski, who apparently are actual psychic sisters. Oh, shit. Yep. And started the company Ghost Gurus Together, which offers psychic readings as well as ghost tours, visited the pub. Faye, who has been able to see the other side since she was four and is the more experienced psychic of the two, said, quote, people can feel animal energy in there, end quote. She also claimed that she felt a newer ghost at the Hound and said, quote, There was a gentleman who passed away a few years ago that was kind of like the local legend. He would go there often, and I believe his energy is there. End quote. Mm. While it's unlikely that the new spirit is responsible for the footsteps and billiard balls, as those incidents were reported long before Faye felt the new presence, it's possible the active spirit energy in the building entices new ghosts to make their home at the fire hall turned pub. Mm. In the years under the current owners, there have been many strange and unexplained occurrences at the Hound. but the staff insists that none of the spirits hanging around the pub are evil or malevolent in nature. Even Barney's mischievous behavior towards the staff is just seen as harmless antics from the pub's resident prankster. Mm. And despite all the teasing he had to put up with in his life, it seems like Barney's the one who's actually getting the last laugh. Mm. And that, my friends, is the story of the Hose and Hound pub in Calgary and their resident ghost monkey. Bam!
0: I didn't know I now had to be afraid of ghost monkeys.
1: So that was the blurb that the calendar talked about. It was basically just about the ghost monkey. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. At first I was like, I'm going to like start the story with this little anecdote about Barney. And then I was going to do like a bigger story about ghost animals. Cause I was like, how many ghost animals can there be? Apparently a fucking lot. Yeah. There's two in this one fucking fire hall. Like what the fuck? So yeah, apparently they're everywhere. And I was like, Oh no, I'm, I can't, I can't do that. I was like, I'm just going to condense this and go back to just telling Barney's story. Um, but yeah, I couldn't handle the thought of a ghost monkey. I didn't think that was a thing. I just, I, I can't imagine. Like, can you imagine a monkey screech instead of like a woo, like ghosty situation? No.
0: I already explained how, like, just I don't fuck with monkeys, period. So now I have to fucking deal with, I have to worry about a ghost monkey.
1: Apparently, this is unacceptable. I know. Girl, not a fan. Agreed. I also want to provide you guys with a word of the day from this story because I. Don't think I've ever come across this word and I absolutely love it. The word is monkey shines and apparently that is a term for mischievous behavior. Oh, I'd like that. Yes. So that's your word of the day. Monkey shines. Thank you. Yep. That story was fucking cuckoo bananas. It was bananas. Pun intended. That's actually how the calendar page started this story is bananas, exclamation point.
0: Of course it did. Of course it fucking started that way. They
1: love a pun. Yes, they're not going to miss out on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That was amazing.
0: And I'm terrified.
1: Girl, I know. I didn't think I had ghost monkeys to be afraid of now, but yeah, it's on the list.
0: Now it's been added. What the fuck?
1: Yep. Ghost monkeys, ghost horses. Apparently there are a fuck ton of ghost dogs walking around, which I'm cool with. I'm on board for the ghost dogs, but I know that's not your thing either, probably.
0: As long as they leave me alone, that's fine. Okay, just leave me alone. Just like a regular dog. Like, leave me alone. But every regular dog is like, I feel that you're afraid and I'm going to be the one to turn it around for you. And then so they jump on me and try to lick my face and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking die. Like this dog is going to kill me. Because they could tell. Yep, they sense it, Monique. They do. They do. (laughs) <laughs> but that was amazing. Holy shit. I'd never heard anything like this ever in my life. Holy fuck
1: girl. Well, thank you for my paranormal page a day calendar. I've been enjoying it thoroughly and I've heard so many fucking weird stories that I hadn't heard before. I'm so into it. I wouldn't have known about ghost monkeys if it weren't for you. Well, you're welcome. Yes. Thank you, Monique. Gotcha girl.
0: Thank you for that story.
1: Thank you. You fucking always got me. I love it. <laughs> the real question is you got me a good true crime story this week. I
0: sure fucking do. Yeah. And keeping in the psychic sisters uh, vein. No, we did not, Monique. (laughs) It's not that intense. It's not that intense. But But I was like, is this a monkey murder? I will lose it. (laughs) No, it's not. Okay. But I also got my story off of a Christmas gift that I received this year.
1: Hell yeah. Psychic sisters.
0: (laughs) My older brother got me the book Quackery, A Brief History of the Worst Ways to Cure Everything (gasps) by Lydia Kang, MD, and Nate Pedersen. Oh my God, I'm here for this, Monique. And another weird psychic sister thing. Tell me. Is my story also features a Bailey. What? Yes. So I'm going to be talking about Eben Byers, sources, cultofweird.com, ranker.com, medium.com, wikipedia.com, a Wall Street Journal article that I will withhold the title of until later because it's fucking wild. And the book, Quackery, A Brief History of the Worst Ways to Cure Everything by Lydia Kang, MD, and Nate Pedersen. Ebenezer McBurney Byers was born on April 12, 1880. The wealthy American socialite was the son of industrialist Alexander Byers, Eben, as he was called, attended Yale, where he earned a reputation as a skilled golfer. In 1902 and 1903, he finished runner-up at the U.S. Amateur, which is the leading annual golf tournament in the United States for amateur golfers, before winning the championship in 1906. He was chairman of the Pittsburgh firm A.M. Byers Steel Company, director of Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing, and was widely connected with the docks and with banking. The well-known sportsman had a private box at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. He was a horse racing enthusiast owning racing stables in both England and the U.S. He was a superior marksman in trap shooting and an ardent ladies' man with luxurious homes in Southampton, Pittsburgh, and Aiken, South Carolina. Not to mention that he often vacationed in Florida's Palm Beach. Dr. Roger M. Macklis wrote that Eben Byers was, quote, the personification of the Roaring Twenties. He was into everything, end quote. Which, you know, get it. Fuck it, you're rich and you can do all that shit, go to town. Yeah. One night in November 1927, Eben was partying it up because his alma mater had just beaten Harvard in their annual football match while returning home from the game on his private charter train. What? Girl. uh That's next level. Rich shit. Fancy shit. Absolutely. I was like, that, was that a thing? Apparently it fucking was. It's,
1: it's the original private jet before. Yeah. Jets
0: were a thing. It literally didn't occur to me that you could have a private train. Never occurred to me. Same. He fell off of his bunk and hurt his arm, which that sucks. That does suck. I took a train in Europe with my family and it was, we had like sleeping. Yeah. Like we had bunks and my older brother really, I wanted the top bunk and he was an asshole and he wouldn't let me have the top bunk. And in the middle of the <sighs> night, he fell off the top bunk.
1: <laughs> Karma. I mean, I was going to say it, but, but. yeah, that's what happened. You happens. know.
0: Over the next several weeks, Eben complained of persistent muscular aches that left him with a rundown feeling that undermined both his athletic performance and it's rumored Sexual performance. Mm, uh oh. Uh oh. They don't usually take that well. No, they don't. They definitely don't. Eben went to Pittsburgh physiotherapist Charles C. Moyer to see what was up and what the good doctor could do for him. And Dr. Moyer suggested that he try Radiother, which was advertised as, quote, pure sunshine in a bottle.
1: Oh, end quote. No. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was accurate advertising. Mm hmm. So we're gonna put a mini pin in this
0: <laughs> and go back 29 years to 1898, the year
1: that Pierre and Marie Curie discovered radium. Hey. Right? But also womp womp, because it goes so terribly wrong. It does. And
0: I'm sorry if uh, like that's a spoiler alert, you know, but it's also like a hundred and like thirty years spoiler alert. It's not like, is the Titanic going to be okay? You know. Um, <laughs> what happened? We all know that this isn't going to end great. So when they discovered radium, it was believed that taken in minute doses, radium provided a metabolic kick to the body's endocrine system and infused depleted organs with energy.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally.
0: And while I was working on this, I was like, oh my God, like Amy's a fucking biologist. She could totally like throw in shit that she would understand more than me because I'm I'm a fucking actor and a bartender. So I'm a dunce. I don't know any of this shit. I don't know isotopes and shit.
1: Yeah, You're a good researcher though. I don't, I don't have any doubt that you are going to thoroughly cover this subject. I don't think I'm going to need to weigh in, but.
0: Oh, I mean, I might need you to just for like oh. my understanding or just like, okay. Anytime you have any knowledge, drop some knowledge. Okay.
1: I'm into it. <laughs> you might be grossly overestimating the amount of knowledge I have on the subject, but <laughs> <laughs> but I will, I will. Okay.
0: You know, what? whatever your heart Tells you to do.
1: Thank you. If I can provide extra information, I will. I love you.
0: I appreciate it. The two scientists never sought to patent their own discovery, so people went fucking apeshit over radium, trying to study, market, and capitalize on this miracle cure-all. The Standard Chemical Company formed a wholly owned subsidiary, the Radium Chemical Company, Inc., just to handle the sales of radium and built a fully stocked biological laboratory to investigate medical uses. Dr. C. Everett Field, who was the manager of the Radium Chemical Company's New York office, was also one of its earliest and most vocal advocates. He enthusiastically published the virtues of radium therapy in medical journals and in his own pamphlets, and he had a lucrative practice until the late 1920s. In one publication from 1926, Field stated that he had administered 6,000 intravenous radium treatments- over the previous 12 years. If you could see Amy's eyes bugging out of her head at that statement.
1: Monique, what? Girl, the fuck. That is so horrifying.
0: Yep. This is why all I want after we die is to find out what we fucked up medically. That's all I want to know because I know we're fucking shit up. I know we're fucking shit up because we have to. Like, it's just how it works. We know so little about so many things. Yes. As we talked about last week, we don't know what sense is basically. Yes. Still. Exactly. We don't know anything. Yeah. After Marie Curie's visit to the States in 1921, the radium business boomed as radium products became all the rage and the mild radium therapy movement was born. One year company, Associated Radium Chemists, produced radium tablets under the name Arium. American Endocrine Laboratories produced a device called the radio indoctrinator, which was a small radium-infused device to be placed wherever needed to restore that area to good, quote, life and bodily health, end quote. Oh my God. Girl, wait, the next sentence is going to fucking blow your mind. As an aid to male virility, one was... No! uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. One use instructed men to use it, quote, like an athletic strap end quote, which put the instrument, quote, under the scrotum
1: as it should be. Radiate as directed, end quote. My jaw's on the floor. Everyone's jaw's on the floor. My eyes are as big as saucers. What the actual fuck, Monique? People are wild.
0: People are fucking wild. And like, this is like the fucking 1920s. Like this is a hundred years ago. This is like four seconds ago. In the span of human time, this is four seconds ago. Like, my grandmother was alive during this. This is fucking nuts. Oh, uh, my God. Radium infused lotions, hair products, gels, intravenous solutions for injecting radium directly into the bloodstream, and even, quote, Vita radium suppositories, end quote, became widely hawked and sold in all those pre FDA days radium hand cleaner was advertised to quote take off everything but the skin end quote little did they fucking know how accurate that shit was magic radium ointment when applied directly quote can confidently be expected to increase some manly courage and vigor end quote
1: manly courage and vigor
0: basically like all of this is to get a dick hard like straight up like we literally still can't cure cancer, but we can. We figured out how to make a dude's dick hard till like the day he dies. That is the A number one about fucking medicine forever in time. We just need to make sure that the guy can get a stick hard. Fuck everyone else.
1: The goals of science, Monique. Come on. This is so fucked up. I mean... It's so fucked up. You're not even ready for how fucked up it's going to get. Really? I mean, the radium suppositories, like that's where...
0: Girl, fucking shooting radium up into your asshole... I feel so fucking like, you know,
1: I feel healthy and alive and vigorous. I'm invigorated from this radium suppository. Mm. Yay. This shit's fucking wild. I can't. I can't. Okay.
0: Vagatome brand radium infused gland tablets were available for quote unquote female trouble. Oh. Whatever the fuck that means. A lady times cramps or something maybe? I think, but the, the concept hysteria. of- hysteria. Fe- yeah. I think female trouble was like anything. If you acted in any way that was disagreeable, you're having female trouble. I think. I don't think that they were that progressive to be like, female trouble is no. like, you're on your period. No. But what the fuck do I know?
1: The woman's devil time? Is that what you're talking about?
0: I mean, I think we should rename it that because facts is facts.
1: I'm fucking down, girl. I mean, it's accurate. Facts is facts. Some of the time, at least. Yeah. I like it. Also serves as a warning. Let everybody know. It's my devil time. Fuck off.
0: And there's just like fucking countless more, you know, things that were products that were created that had, you know, radium in it. And people were like, this has radium in it. Use it. It's fucking gonna, you know, make your life, make all your dreams come true. Luckily for the gullible radium obsessed 1920s American consumer, many of these products were no more than snake oil and contained no real radium.
1: (sighs) Okay. Thank God. That's I mean, I'm sure contained a bunch of other horrible fucking shit that wasn't great for you either, but whatever. At the time,
0: U.S. regulatory agencies were more concerned about truth in advertising than about potential harmful effects. So the Federal Trade Commission took action against those makers of tonics that lacked the advertised levels of radioactivity. The issue was false advertising, not that they were fucking poisoning people en masse. It was like, you're saying that there's radium in this and there isn't, and that's a fucking problem.
1: It's actually not a problem. It's actually the thing we want. We don't want it to have radium in it.
0: Fucking wild. In the mid-20s, a pamphlet titled Radithar, the new weapon in medical science, end quote, was mailed out to doctors. The health tonic, which had been made, marketed, and sold by a William J.A. Bailey, promised to cure more than 150 ailments problem was that even though Bailey claimed he was a doctor, he fucking wasn't. He was a Harvard dropout with zero medical or scientific degrees. The born con man had frequent run-ins with the law and he spent most of his life peddling various bogus miracle cures, profiting off numerous short-lived business startups. In 1918, he was fined for fraudulent claims. Again, this is the thing that like everyone's fucked up about they're lying yeah they're lying so he's fine for fraudulent claims concerning a supposed impotence cure called lassie go for superb manhood end quote okay
1: you know it doesn't roll off the tongue it doesn't i was like lassie lassie going down to the river is what what i was thinking some shit i don't fucking know i don't even know what the fuck that is keeping from miami that was just the thing I'm making up Monique. It's not anything. Oh, sh- I didn't know. I don't know. It's just like Lassie go is what it sounded like. So it was like Lassie go down to the river. What is this? Lassie go find Timmy in the well. I don't know. <laughs> I'm ridiculous Monique. I love how you're like, I don't know what that is. It's my Cupid. I'm like, it's nothing. It's a thing from my silly brain. No. Cause it happens a lot. I- and I love your silly brain. It's wonderful. My silly brain loves you. <laughs>
0: By 1922, he was back in business, setting up numerous radium-related laboratories. Sorry, laboratories. It's I, I used to watch Dexter's Laboratory. I
1: was going to say I loved it.
0: You didn't have to change it at all. It was my favorite. I love Dexter's Lab. So I keep saying laboratories. Laboratory. No, it's great. You know, it's just in there. So he was back in the business of setting up numerous radium-related laboratories, including Associated Radium Chemists, Inc. on 8th Avenue in New York, where he manufactured the Arium tablets. But Bailey's most financially successful operation was Bailey Radium Laboratories at 336 Main Street in East Orange, New Jersey, where he produced Radather from 1925 to 1930. Radither was an over-the-counter tonic he claimed restored energy and vitality and cured a variety of illnesses, including, quote, backward development, end quote, anorexia, hysteria, insomnia, and dozens of others. Each two-ounce bottle was claimed to contain triple distilled water guaranteed to contain at least one microcurie each of two isotopes of radium. Bailey publicly offered $1,000 to anyone who could prove that his product contained less than the stated amount of radium, which no one did. Books and pamphlets sang the praises of radither. In the 1926 book, Modern Rejuvenation Methods, by Dr. Charles Evans Morris, MD, he states, quote, Radithar has so far exceeded any previous method of radium water treatment that it has been adopted in hospitals and clinics throughout the world. It gives the greatest possible efficiency in alpha rays at the minimum expense. And thus, for the first time since the discovery of radioactivity, it brings the blessings of radium water treatment of a highly scientific kind, well within the reach of people." A child could take this product for years without the slightest injury. If any doctor or person states that radium water is injurious, he is not telling the truth. Out of millions of treatments given in these years, we have yet to have a single record of harmful effects, end quote.
1: Oh my God. False. A doctor. False. False, false, false. All of the falsehoods. Not true. Like, do you listen to yourself,
0: dude? Fuck. Oh. It's true if it's opposite day. What the fuck? And of course, because the only thing that it seems like the medical industry gives a fuck about is making a dude stick hard. Bailey also marketed Radither as an aphrodisiac that cured impotence claiming that it, quote, improved blood supply sent to the pelvic organs and tonic effects upon the nervous system generally result in a great improvement in the sex organs, end quote. Bailey asserted that these claims and findings were the result of years of laboratory research, but radither was really just distilled water laced with one microcurie each of two isotopes of radium. So that's the background. So now we're going back to 1927. And you have even Byers. He's a notorious ladies man whose nickname at Yale was Foxy Grandpa, which fucking barf. Ew. Ew. All of the ew.
1: I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit.
0: Yes. That's the only, especially since like, how fucking old are you at Yale? Like yeah. 20s? Yeah. Why are you a grandpa? Right? Ew. Get out of here. No. Ew. And like when he's going to the doctor, he's like 47. So still like, Ew, I'm not into this. No.
1: Correct, Monique. That's the correct response.
0: Exactly. He had injured his arm and this, quote, run-down feeling, end quote, is affecting his athletic and sexual performance. So when he comes to Dr. Moyer to seek a solution, the doctor prescribes him Radither. And realistically, Dr. Moyer probably knew little to nothing of the medical qualities of Radither but he was incentivized by Bailey Laboratories to offer the radioactive tonic with a 17% rebate on every prescription dose.
1: Pat yourself on the back for that one, dude. Good, nice. Yep. Be like, kick back, motherfucker.
0: And guess what? Nothing has changed in the pharmaceutical industry.
1: Yeah, this is still happening.
0: Just look at the opioid epidemic. Yeah. That's why the fuck this is happening. Nothing has changed in 100 years. It's nice to know that. We are not remotely as evolved as we like to believe. The recommended dose was one two-ounce bottle per day, and at a dollar a bottle or $30 for a month's supply, Radither was a status drink that only the well-to-do could easily afford. But Eben was determined to maintain his foxy grandpa status, so he quickly purchased some and felt an immediate positive effect. Not only had his arm gotten better, but he experienced a return of his, quote, male virility, end quote. Pleased as Punch with his new cure-all, he quickly upped the dosage, going from one bottle of Radither a day to three. Oh, that was a bold choice, sir. Mm Mm-hmm. He became such an enthusiastic user and advocate of Radither. he sent cases of the lethal tonic to friends, girlfriends, and even fed it to his racehorses. (gasps) Oh! Over the next two years, Eben drank approximately... Fourteen hundred half-ounce bottles
1: of radither. Mo, Nick, Grah. That gave me chills just thinking about how much fucking radium he ingested. Oh, grah. My God, was he just like glowing from the inside out? Like no. I can't
0: imagine that he wasn't. Like, I couldn't find anything about him glowing.
1: But, like, I'm assuming it it must have been, like, the radium girls where, like, they could literally turn the lights off and, like, see their skeletons glowing in their fucking bodies, right? Like... I would assume so. But, like, I didn't find anything about him glowing. Okay. Dude. It's still fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy.
0: And maybe it's because, like, it was diluted with the water. Whereas the radium girls, like, literally were just putting straight radium in their mouth and on in their hair and shit. I don't know. I'm also not like the chemist here, obviously. And here's the thing, and through all of this Bailey is making a fucking killing with bottles retailing at a dollar each, a 400% markup. He ended up selling more than 400,000 bottles. So, here's the thing. In the 1920s, people knew about and believed in the healing powers of hot springs. And when it was discovered that the water in hot springs was mildly radioactive due to the radon gas dissolved in the water, it was concluded that it was the radioactivity that was so curative. In the American Journal of Clinical Medicine, Dr. C.G. Davis claimed, quote, radioactivity prevents insanity, rouses noble emotions, retards old age, and creates a splendid, youthful, joyous life, end quote. So, of course, products claiming to be infused with radium like candy, hair tonics, and blankets were all the rage. However, radon gas is entirely different from radium, the element found in radither. Radon gas has a half-life of about three days, whereas radium has a half-life of 1,600 years. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Seeing as how... Eben took three times the already toxic dose of Radither. He was irrevocably doomed. Yeah. You're fucked at that point. You are so fucked. Yeah. So fucked. And you're like, oh my God, I'm like nailing my fucking life, bro. You don't even fucking know.
1: Like my dick works. I'm fucking hot grandpa. Like. Yeah. Killing it.
0: I'm fucking killing that shit. Nope. Mm -mm. That's the opposite. You are if it's opposite day. But you are not, sir.
1: No, that shit is killing you, and you're about to be dead, sir. Yeah, that's what I know is gonna happen. In September
0: 1930, one of his lady friends, whom he had been sending cases of radither to, died suddenly of mysterious causes. Shortly after that, and after consuming, again, an estimated 1,400 bottles of Radither, even went to his doctor complaining that he had lost, quote, that toned-up feeling, end quote. He lost drastic amounts of weight began experiencing severe headaches and crushing pains in his jaw and his doctor diagnosed him with inflamed sinuses.
1: What? Where did you get your medical degree, sir? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, literally. 1930. You're a little sniffly. Cool. Less than 100 years ago. Hardest eye roll to ever be eye rolled, Monique. Yes, absolutely. Then,
0: Eben's teeth began to fall out and his jaw began to crumble. (gasps) Girl, I know.
1: Such a visceral reaction to that. Oh my God. No, Monique, the chills have still not gone away. Yeah. I just want to scream into a vacuum right now.
0: No. Yes. Oh, the teeth falling out is a recurring nightmare that I have. It's too, mm -mm,
1: it's too real. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It's going to get so bad. Why didn't you tell me to drink, Monique? (laughs) Fuck, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (gasps) I know it's like 11 in the morning, but come on. (laughs) I failed you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm okay. No. No. It's okay. I do this to myself. Because it's going to get real bad, like, real soon. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm braced.
0: Even's x-ray was sent to Dr. Joseph Manning Steiner, a Manhattan x-ray specialist who had examined several of the radium girls because, yes, this happened after the radium girls. Monique.
1: Girl. Monique. Girl. What is literally wrong with everyone? I'm sorry. Oh, because that happened to women, so it can't happen to us like a weak woman's disposition. So she's subjected to radium. She's susceptible to radium.
0: So those who don't know about the radium girls real, real quick, radium was discovered and it was discovered to glow in the dark. And then these women uh, were hired to paint the numbers on the watches for uh, the men going to fight in world war one so that they could see their watches in the middle of the night and they could, you know, synchronize attacks and shit. And it was a very high paying job. It was very high respecting job. And the people who are running the factories were like, hey, so like when you're painting it, like make sure to dip the paintbrush in your mouth to get it a nice fine tip. So you get a nice fine number written on the fucking watches. So these girls are fucking literally swallowing radium whole. They're putting it in their hair because it glows in the dark. They're like, oh my God, I'm amazing. And like, everyone wants this fucking job. They're making fucking bank. And then they're like rotting from the inside out because of
1: radium poisoning. And then- They, like, try and sue. Yeah. Meanwhile, all of the, like, male supervisors were wearing, like, lead vests and shit. Yes. And the girls were like, um, yeah, hi, like, should we be worried that you're, like, wearing those lead vests and we're not? And they're like, no, 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 don't worry about it. You're fine. You're fine. Totally.
0: And then, basically, they kind of try to do, like, a class action suit. And the people running the company are like, we just have to, like, wait for you to die. And then this just goes away. So what came from the the tragedy of the radio, which of course they all fucking did. What came from that is workers compensation, but it didn't take radium off of the shelves. It was just like, Hey, if you get injured or like poisoned on a job, we have to pay for it.
1: Yeah. Let's not remove radium from the shelves and make people safer. Let's just comp them. Yeah. If it affects your life, which they didn't even because they're all fucking dead. Yeah. It
0: was like an after the fact. It's like, oh, I guess we should do something. So that's how this is
1: happening after the fucking Radium Girls, which is fucking wild. There's no excuse for this then. I'm so enraged right now because there's, I thought this was happening like concurrently or like a little bit before. Like you have absolutely zero excuse. What the fuck is wrong with all of you? This is like a decade after the Radium Girls. I can't, Monique. I can't. A decade? Seriously, yes. Like, oh my God. Okay, even like one or two years and be like, okay, maybe they didn't get the fucking memo, uh, whatever, no. Because the World War I happened in the teens. Yeah. This is, we're 1930
0: right here. Monique, I can't. Girl, girl, I know, fucking same, exactly. So the same fucking x-ray specialist who saw like the x-rays of the radium girls sees Evans' x-ray and sees that he has the same fucking lesions on his jaw as the ill-fated women. He was rotting from the inside out due to radium poisoning. Cancer was eating away at his bones. His upper and lower jaw had decayed, a condition known as radium jaw. And here's the fucking thing: even had been so fucking brainwashed and indoctrinated to rely on Radither that when he got sick and all of this crazy shit started happening, he still kept drinking it, hoping that he would fucking feel better.
1: At this point, I'm like, you kind of deserve what happened to you, dude. Like, but here's the thing. At the same time, you have every doctor being like, no, yeah, that shit's legit as fuck. Yeah, that's true. And you're like, I'm going to believe in me as a doctor. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Right. It's not like, oh, well, I did quote unquote, my own research and went on fucking Reddit rabbit hole. And I know that this is the thing. Like, it's not that it's like your fucking doctor is like, no, nah, man, this is the shit that's going to help you
1: out. Yeah. Oh, fuck, dude. I mean, I can't with any of this. The rotting from the inside out thing, literally just you saying that, just the chills upon chills, my entire body, I can't, oh, it's, it's, oh, the thought of it. It's going to get real bad in like two paragraphs. So
0: prepare yourself. I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you to get a drink. i oh my, like, I'm so sorry to everyone, guys. I'm sorry. I'm working on like five hours of sleep. I'm not thinking clearly.
1: No, it's totally fine. I'm just like, wait, I thought we already got to like the end. It gets worse part. No, and no, 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 no,
0: no, no. There's no. still more. Okay. Yes. There's more in, in two paragraphs. It's going to get real bad. Uh, Okay. By 1930, the Federal Trade Commission started raising questions about another advertised claim about radium water medicines being harmless. They contacted Eben to see if he wanted to testify in the hearings the following year, but he was too sick to appear at the hearings in person. So the FTC sent over their attorney, Robert Heiner Wynn, to Eben Byers' magnificent Southampton home on September 15, 1930, to record his statement. When Eben opened the door, Wynne was horrified at what he saw. Half of the former Playboy's face was missing.
1: Mo-neek. Girl. Half Mm -hmm. of his face. Mm -hmm. Bottom half, top half, left, right? We're going to get into it. Okay. In the
0: April 11th, 1932 edition of Time Magazine, Wynne said, quote, a more gruesome experience in a more gorgeous setting would be hard to imagine. Young in years and mentally alert, he could hardly speak. His head was swathed in bandages. He had undergone two successive operations in which his whole upper jaw, excepting two front teeth and most of his lower jaw, had been removed.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. I don't like that. Mm -mm.
0: All of the remaining bone tissue of his body was slowly disintegrating and holes were actually forming in his skull, end quote. When I say holes in his skull, like his brain is literally exposed, okay? He literally had his head bandaged together to keep it the fuck together. What the actual fuck?
1: No one can see my face right now, but I think this is like the most distressed my face has ever been when Monique's telling his story. I don't know why this is just so horrifying to me, but like... It's the stuff of nightmares. Monique. Oh. So bad. Oh, he
0: has Swiss cheese head. I like. He literally has Swiss cheese head and Swiss cheese bone and no jaw. <gasps> he doesn't have a lower jaw. He literally doesn't have an upper jaw, except they like left like two, as they call them, chipmunk teeth. Like, that's it. He doesn't have an upper jaw. He doesn't have a lower jaw. He's like fucked, like super
1: fucked. Oh, my God. Okay. And that's just his,
0: like, his head. That's, we're not even getting into fucking everything else. Yeah. Like, he's fucked. Ugh. Oh. Because of Bayer's prominence, his grotesque illness led to dramatic reform of the radioactive patent medicine industry. The Federal Trade Commission, filed against Bailey Radium Laboratories on December 19th, 1931, ordered the company to, quote, cease and desist from various representations theretofore made by them as to the therapeutic value of Radator and from representing that the product Raditer is harmless, end quote. On March 31st, 1932, Eden Byers died in New York Hospital. His cause of death was listed as, quote, necrosis of the jaw, abscess of the brain, secondary anemia, and terminal pneumonia, end quote. He was 51. Damn.
1: That's too early for that shit. Yeah.
0: The next day, the front page headline for the New York Times proclaimed the medical examiner's initial autopsy findings. Mr. Byers had died of radium poisoning. So the upper class freaked the fuck out at the news because they had all also been on the radium kick. Even the fucking mayor of New York City at the time, James J. Walker, was a religious user of radium water and initially was completely resistant to stop.
1: Holy fucking shit. I didn't know how high up this went. It's like a fucking conspiracy. Like what the fuck? Like
0: everyone, like if you had money, you're like, oh no, I can like actually like afford like the good shit.
1: I want to glow. Yeah. I want to like have a dick that works, dude. And wait, correct me if I'm wrong in remembering the story. This all started because he fell out of a bunk bed on a train. Yes. And he like for a few weeks, he's like,
0: my arm still really fucking hurts. And I'm like down and depressed about it. And because of that, my dick doesn't work. So can you prescribe me something?
1: I'm just making sure. I was like, did I like black out in the middle of the story? I was like, this guy like fell off a bed, right? Like that's what set this. He fell off of a fucking bunk bed on a train. That's like what set this in motion. And then three
0: years later, his fucking brain is exposed in his fucking head. Was
1: it worth it? Was it worth it? I mean,
0: but here's the thing. I'm sympathetic because he literally has fucking doctors who are getting 17% kickback on every fucking bottle that they sell. Like being like, dude, this is it. This is legit fucking shit. Yeah. It's legit. This is like rich people shit.
1: Yeah. And again, you're right. All the doctors are telling you, they're like, I don't have a medical degree. He has a medical degree. Like, huh? I don't fucking know.
0: Yes. Which is so it's like trust the doctors, the little bit that they know. They work with the information they're given at the time. Right. That's all of us. Yes. In Pittsburgh, there were rumors that another one of Eben's lady friends had also died of a mysterious ailment. Health officials in some cities ordered store shelves cleared. Some doctors stepped forward with evidence of radium poisoning they had seen in other cases. Even a doctor went on a New York radio program and held radioactive bones of one victim in front of a Geiger counter to demonstrate, quote, the deadly sound of radium, end quote. Can you fucking imagine
1: this? Wave of chills, Monique. Wave of chills. But
0: Dr. Moyar, the doctor who had prescribed Eben the deadly tonic, denied all wrongdoing. Two days after his patient's death, Moyar told the Associated Press that any claims about Radithar being dangerous were, quote, an absolute lie, end quote. He said, quote, I never had a death among my patients from radium treatment. I have taken as much Or more radium water of the same kind Mr. Byers took, and I am 51 years old, active, and healthy. End quote. Neither William Bailey nor Bailey Radium Laboratories were held responsible for even Byers' death. But the company was shut down by the Federal Trade Commission. The findings against bogus patent medicine makers granted the FDA, which at the time was primarily an agricultural regulatory commission, comprehensive authority to regulate drug and pharmacological practices and investigate bogus cure all health claims. Even though Bailey's company was shut down, that didn't stop him. Radium had made him very wealthy and he soon founded another company to sell products such as radioactive belt clips, paperweights, and a device which enabled consumers to make their own radioactive water at home.
1: Fun! It's an activity for the whole family. Yep. Get the kids
0: involved. Your bones fucking crushing to death. Yay! God damn it. Despite the scandal that his tonic had killed a handsome member of the upper crust, Bailey insisted that the concoction was safe, alleging that he had consumed more of it than anyone else and felt perfectly fine. Is that true? Well, we'll get into it. Okay. On May 17, 1949, William Bailey died of bladder cancer. When medical researchers exhumed his remains nearly 20 years later, it was found to be, quote, ravaged by radiation, end quote.
1: Bam. Cause guess what? You can't escape fucking radium. Um, no, you can't. Yeah. At the time of Eben Byer's death,
0: his body was measured as containing 36 micrograms of radium when 10 micrograms are considered fatal. Dr. Macklis said, quote, he took enough radium to kill four people if he took it all at once. The mystery is, how did Byers survive so long, feeling so good, and have such a super lethal burden in his body, end quote. The doctor speculated that it was possible that chronic low-level doses of powerful alpha radium really do have a temporary stimulative effect, possibly provoking a defense response that triggers production of fresh blood cells within the bone marrow. So that could be a thing. In the end, Eden Byer's death caused the collapse of the radioactive patent medicine industry. Byers was interred in the Byers Mausoleum in Pittsburgh's Allegheny Cemetery, Section 13, Lot 67. His body was exhumed temporarily in 1965 by the federal government for testing, and the study found that he was still dangerously radioactive. He was sealed inside a lead lined coffin designed to absorb the radiation that will continue to emanate from his remains for centuries to come. And that is the horrifying cuckoo bananas story of Eben Byers, William Bailey, and essentially the regulation of pharmaceuticals by the FDA. And the Wall Street Journal article that I withheld the title of until the end, it came out a few years after Eden died. It is called, The Radium Water Worked Fine Until His Jaw Came Off. Cancer Researchers Unearth a Bizarre Tale of Medicine
1: and Roaring 20 Society. Just the title of that article gave me chills, honey. That's the level of this story. I cannot fucking handle this. Um, I fucking love this because you played to the chemistry nerd that lives inside of me and you just like stroked her little head and made her very happy. I had not heard of this. This is fucking bananas, dude. And I, I seriously cannot get over the fact that this was literally a decade plus after Radium Girls.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because Radium Girls was like 1918. Yeah, because they were painting the watches for World War One. Yeah.
1: Let me see when they, when they actually went to court and shit. Yeah. Yeah, 1920s. That was such a fucking good story, dude. That's really interesting. Girl. And especially like my thing of like, just being fascinated at how wrong throughout history
0: we've been about medical things. Yes. And then to be like so fucking
1: wrong. To be like, can you believe we thought
0: that? Like what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: then of course that thing of like the only reason someone gives a fuck is because a wealthy white dude fucking died of it.
1: Yeah. When it was the fucking girls, they were like, fuck it, they're poor. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Get out of here. And we're
0: just gonna like instill workers comp. But radium's still on the up and up. That's fine
1: fucking so goddamn crazy, dude. That sounds like a really interesting book. Yeah. And it's
0: like all sorts of shit. I was reading a little bit about cures for hysteria, quote
1: unquote, (laughs) beyond the old uh, three knuckle shuffle. Rubbing one out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny because doctors came up with vibrators because they were like, I'm really fucking tired. It takes me like an hour to do this. And I'm getting basically like carpal tunnel, rubbing one out for all these fucking female patients. So then with the vibrator, it like reduced that time to like five minutes. (laughs) But, and then these fucking doctors didn't realize that they were like, they fucked themselves because now like, you could literally order a fucking vibrator on like Sears catalog and like the, like healthy, you know, be like healthy and not a fucking crazy chick.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't have to pay a doctor to do this for me. I can just buy a one-time machine that takes care of this for me. Yeah. But I get it. He's like, my hand's cramping. Like, ugh. Yeah. Especially, I'm sure that wasn't the sexiest situation. So like to get yourself like in the headspace to get there while you're in a whatever 1900s doctor's office with some fucking dude down with his hand down your pants.
0: I mean, and here's the thing, like, Maybe women are into it because I doubt that like, for, who knows? Like what was the, the foreplay situation in this time period?
1: Girl, I would have had a standing appointment like every fucking Wednesday. Be like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Hi, thanks. I'm here. Cool. I like wouldn't care who it was. Some fucking old dude would be like, dude, get it. Like my husband's not doing this clearly. Fucking no one else knows what's going on. Like you're the fucking guy with the fucking magic touch. Let's do this. Dude. And you have like a fucking eight hour day just doing that nonstop for eight hours. Fuck.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, I need to invite, invent some shit because, like, I can't, I can't hold a pencil anymore. <laughs> right? What the fuck?
1: I mean, I don't know about your <laughs> life, Monique, but eight hours—call that a Tuesday? No, <laughs> that's too much. But yeah, can you imagine eight hours? Like, dude, that's
0: fucking wild. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's full of a bunch of crazy shit in there, and I I love all of it.
1: It was a quack. Is that what it was called? It's called quackery. Quackery. It's called quackery a brief history of the worst ways to cure everything. Awesome. That sounds really interesting. I'll have to check that out. yeah, it's a lot of fun. That was a good Christmas gift from your brother. I mean he didn't he didn't come
0: up with it on his own. I like oh. my mom was like, what do you want for Christmas And I was like, this shit, this is what I want you excited with the link yeah <laughs> It's like I don't want like girly shit. I don't want the things that you've decided are appropriate for me mm-hmm. to have. I want to know about the worst ways you've cured everything.
1: Yes <laughs> I want spooky shit. God damn it. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that. I fucking love that story, dude. That was right up my alley. For sure. Thanks so much for
0: uh, traumatizing me with the ghost monkey. Yeah, it's going to haunt your dreams now, Monique. Oh, absolutely. Like, that goes without saying. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you don't already, follow us on the gram. I'm definitely going to put up pictures of Eben's fucking face. (gasps) Are you?
1: Yeah, girl. I mean, I knew you were. I might, I might. <laughs> don't tag me in that, Monique. I don't want to see that.
0: Okay, no. I won't. I won't tag you in it. It's fucking wild.
1: I'm definitely going to put up those pictures because, holy fuck. Uh, what am I saying? I watched, I looked at all the stupid pictures of the monkey attack faces. I definitely want to see this guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh. I'd say it's probably par. Yeah say so. so it's about the same they're older pictures I'm assuming so they'll probably be less traumatizing than the pictures from like yeah they're not like high def colored like, photos like, you know, yeah yeah yeah
0: and like the pictures are like you know they kind of like folded shit in, like to his skin in to make it look like get a face they did their best yeah you know fuck you know 1930 shit, it's fuck. it's fucking wild man but uh, if if you want to see that crazy shit or uh, you know, any fun, kind of fun memes and bullshit from us, follow us on the gram. You can find us at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at Pin Up Girl Mo.
1: You can find me at lobotomy and that's Lobot
0: Period Amy. Every sixth episode, we do a true listener tales episode where we read your fucking stories and your crazy shit. We kind of don't give a fuck what it is. It just has to be real. We don't want any of your like pros.
1: Yeah, don't make it up. But if you've got some, you got a ghost monkey or ghost horse or something, I'm down. I would like to hear that.
0: Or even if you know someone, I hope you don't know anyone who has had radium poisoning. Oh, yeah. I remember reading that Marie Curie's, like, the paper that she took the notes on. Like, they're still radioactive. They're still, like, in a fucking, like, lead box and shit. Fucking wild. Crazy. So we do a Listener Tales episode every six weeks, every six episodes. So if you have a crazy listener tale, please email us at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the U and fucking. Guys, we're so obsessed with you. Don't get radium poisoning or haunted by a ghost monkey. Keep it cute.
1: Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.